like if they're going to church like i would tell like my daughter like no you cannot be with the guy alone in a car and i would tell the same to my son you cannot be alone see that's a loaded question are they living at home yes are they under the age of 18 no then that's what, I don't know. I feel like I would. Why does it matter though? Because I feel like there's there's an area that says like I do want to. I think there's a point. If they're dating the person. Yeah, and I think there's a point of hey man, like trust is a big issue. Trust is a big deal, and I feel like the 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 church culture that teaches don't trust people, like that's unhealthy. Like trust but verify. Mm, like that's I not trust you, but I, I would say this: you you really can't. What you can trust is that your flesh is strong. You can trust that. Very strong. So then you can also, you can also identify that, you know, hey man, some things are just, we just need to be careful of because, um, you know, if you're attracted to somebody, your, your flesh is strong. You can trust that, but you can also, you can trust people in, in a way that if they love Jesus and they want Jesus to be the center of their life, to be number one. The Holy Spirit will convict them and they will make healthy decisions to, to identify, you know, should I be driving the car with this person? You know, we went here one time and, you know, we, we took a little bit too long saying goodbye to each other. So that's where I would trust them to say, like, listen, man, you got to get a little bit more mature in your walk. Yeah. And make and some honest, healthy decisions. Yeah. And honestly, it's like, a, you know, it sounds very old school. It sounds very controlling. But in the end, it's not worth it to, to have that kind of sin in your life. Like, it's definitely not worth it for that one mistake, that one time you said goodbye and you were making out way too long and then your hands went places they weren't supposed to. Like, it's not worth it. Like, that, if you can avoid that by not being alone in a car, <coughs> then avoid it. Don't be alone in the car. And, and we're trying to be, like, I think I, I don't like controlling anything. I, I, I think it's unhealthy. I like, I like when, I, I think this, when the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. And I think when there's healthy spiritual leadership, there's a trust and a freedom where they say, hey man, listen, I just want you to get closer to Jesus. I don't want to control your life. I want, I want the, the will of God to be fulfilled in your life 100%. So if there's something I see where I feel like, hey man, it looks like you know, this could trip you up a little bit. I'm going to share it with you, but I'm not going to control you. So is driving in the same car while dating deemed as inappropriate? Again, I say no, because I feel like I would hope that even with our kids, that I teach them who they are in Christ. That I teach them enough of, of even like our daughter, uh, that she is understanding so much of how valuable she is. And what I'm saying is that um, the inappropriateness, it comes from your, your walk and your conviction where you feel like, you know, hey man, I, I'm okay driving in the car with this person. We went from point A to point B. We got out, nothing happened. We had great conversation. It was a good time. Um, I probably won't do that every night, you know, cause just to avoid temptation. But you know, that's what I'm saying. I think trust is a good thing and a big, big deal. Um, the, the, another question in the same area, how do you feel, um, about fasting for a relationship? So I think the context of that was fasting for a relationship early on, where you, you have no clue uh, really if that someone you're going to marry or anything like that. How do you feel about fasting for a relationship? I don't, I mean, I don't think fasting is ever harmful. So I wouldn't say like it's, don't do it. But 
I don't know. I think if you're going to fast for something, it's got to be something you decide personally. Yeah. I mean, I know that we have church fasts and, you know, we all do like this corporate fast together. But I think like with something so personal, it's definitely got to be a decision that you make. And it doesn't have to be both of you fasting together. It could be just you, like maybe you're unsure or you just want a little bit more clarity or you just really want to hear God to make sure that you are, you know, especially for someone that says like, God told me to marry this person. I think fasting is pretty um, appropriate given the situation, but I don't think fasting is wrong at any point, even if it's just to see if you should start dating someone. Uh, But like I said, I think if you're going to decide to fast in a relationship, you know, because it's so private, I think it's definitely something that you need to make that decision on your own. Yeah. And and again, like I, I am on the side of like, I don't think you should control people. So I think you should equip them and teach them and allow the Holy Spirit to work in them. Mm -hmm. So would I encourage fasting for a relationship? I think I would, but I wouldn't demand it. Yeah, if they're already like thinking if, about it, I was like, yeah, why not? I mean... But if someone comes to me and says like, hey, you know what? I started talking to this person. Uh, I wouldn't right away be like... You need to fast. You know what, bro? Yeah. You need to fast. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I know this. <laughs> I know this. There are pastors that I know of that that's the first thing they were told to do. And... Um, yeah. It, you know, <laughs> it's it, it didn't hurt them. Maybe, yeah. I but, think maybe it's like an... I don't know. It, it, yeah, Maybe we're wrong. Maybe we're totally wrong. Yeah, I could be part. totally off on this, but I feel like, like I said for me, I, I would never demand it of somebody. But if someone comes to me and says like, hey, you know, I'm interested in this person. Like, okay, man. Hey, you know, I, I would say number one, keep it in the light, mm-hmm. you know, and then uh, number two, you know, um, get to know them, not lust after them. <laughs> get to know who they are. Uh, the The question kind of tied into this and we're still talking about dating uh, church dating culture, how involved should leaders be? Now, this is someone who um, is asking from the perspective of saying like, um, you know, I think from what I understood, they haven't been at the church for a long time. And the dating culture is something new to them. And the minute they started dating, leadership jumped in right away and was like, you know, who are you? What are you doing? Especially because, as I understood it, um, that one of the one of the people involved in the relationship is very is related to the leadership. Uh, yeah, well, and and I think that's a culture specifically for that church or ministry. Now, like I said, each church is different. So, how involved should leaders be? Okay, so that goes back to that place that says, "What is a pastor?" They're there to be spiritual guidance. I don't find it anywhere in the scripture where it teaches pastors to control people's lives. You have thoughts on that? Yeah, I think your leaders are there to help with accountability. I mean, not only that, I think a lot of times when I was dating and I was younger... I always looked to the married couples for advice or is this weird? Like, what do you think about this? So I think when you're actively seeking like to make good decisions, I think, yeah, like your leadership is involved. However, um, you're not, I don't believe they're there to control your relationship with somebody else. Right. In any circumstance, I don't think that's okay. I hope I've never told someone how to, you know, have a relationship with somebody else, but 
like I said, I think their leadership should be there for prayer, for guidance, accountability. Um, but in the end, the decision to date someone, you know, you gotta, you have to kind of mature on your own. And, you know, of course, with help of leadership, you make better decisions. And, and I think there was a few times where I felt like um, there were relationships with people outside of our church dating within our church. And I felt very like, not, I don't want to say like protective, but I felt very like, well, if, if this was something that was good and whole and very like, you know, positive, why wasn't this person very clear? Why wasn't this person very like open about it? It was like they hit it. And then all of a sudden, oh, by the way, I'm dating somebody in your church. And it's like, for me, that threw me off. So I was a little bit like, I could have responded maybe in what sounded like a um, aggressive or like, what the heck? Like, it was weird for me because um, in that situation, like the question is how involved should leaders be? I felt like I wasn't involved at all, which is totally fine. Not a problem at all. However, if someone is part of our church and I take, you know, the responsibility of uh, being a shepherd to that flock, then for me, it's like a, wait a minute, like scripture kind of teaches us about, you know, <laughs> uh, wolves and sheep and wolves and sheep's clothing. And, and this idea that that's kind of what came to my head right away. So how involved should leaders be? I think they should be involved. I don't think they should control. I think they should be aware. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think they should be the ones making decisions for you or the other person. I think it's weird if they do that. I think it's almost like a cult. Like, I'm sorry, that sounds extreme. But if a, if, if like a pastor is telling you who you can and cannot date, who you should and should not marry, that's a cult, guys. That's not a church. That's a cult. But what about, like, I remember this young couple, they were engaged. And I very strongly felt like this is a disaster waiting to happen. However, even in, you know, um, hanging out with them, conversations, I did my best to not tell her that directly. My job was to say, I have questions because, you know, I care and we love you and we want to make sure that you're, you know, happy and healthy and doing things that are appropriate. But it was simply asking a few questions that, you know, she kind of realized this is not a healthy relationship. Um, but honestly, she could have went forward. They could have got married yeah. and it would have been hard. I mean, I'm not saying God doesn't have mercy or grace, but there are times when, you know, for me, it's and I understand like probably for leaders too, it's difficult to see a relationship that is just disastrous because I've seen couples that they're horrible to each other and leadership can step in. They try to step in, but they don't want it. So I would say like, make sure that, you know, the people that you do allow in your life, that you actually do trust them. Like if they do say this is a major red flag that you can really like stop, take time and think about it. And, and I think, again, like it has to come down. Each church is different. Each each leadership is different. And um, I would say this, though, the biblical standard is that spiritual leadership is there to equip you, not control you. 
They're there to equip you. Yeah. They're there to teach you, to help you, to, to help you move along, make better decisions, to help you identify some strengths and weaknesses. Uh, and so how involved should leaders be? Uh, they should be aware, but yeah, not controlling. Should, yeah. and, and even if you are involved in ministry or not involved in ministry, it should be the same thing. So now there are some, some stipulations, of course, that if you're a ministry leader or if you're involved in a certain ministry and they, they put some prerequisites and you agreed to those, then that's just you and you made those, uh, you made those decisions and you moved ahead into that ministry and those prerequisite stipulations were there before you started dating, and but you had already agreed. So that's on you, man. Like, you know, you you made that decision. On top of that, if you're in a culture that is very strict, the culture's not gonna change because of you. They're not gonna make um, they're not gonna make things change just because you don't like it. So if you're in a church or a culture that you feel like, man, this is very whatever, it's probably not gonna change. So you have to make either some changes yourself and, you know, listen to what they're saying or there's there's other options, but <laughs> we'll let you figure those out. <laughs> um, uh, and and these are these are kind of in the same area, but we're talking about church dating culture still. How do you battle gossip about your relationship at church? You don't. <laughs> You can't like you the same way leaders can't control every move you make. You can't control every word that comes out of people's mouths. I think, you know, if it's, um, yeah, you, you, there's nothing you can do about it. I agree. I, I think that, um, whether you, I think too, like, even if you're doing everything right, you, there's always someone that's going to say something. And unfortunately, and because we're all flawed, you know, we all have our, um, issues going on. So, Unfortunately, it's just part of dating in the church. You know, when you have a close, it's like dating in high school. Like when you're around a, a group of people well, that I are hope your pre- not in the church. It's not like well, no, but I mean, like when you're around <laughs> people that are your peers, like people have opinions, are gonna say them, and the church is flawed. People are not the church. People are flawed. So you know, there, there's someone that's gonna say something that John, you're not gonna it's just like. The church, or the church is flawed. <laughs> like, oh, so, um, but how do you battle gossip about your relationship at church? Uh, you don't. You yeah, know. You don't. and I would I would strongly suggest you take time to pray and ask God to help you because I do believe that um, what people say about you it that's not your definition. Your definition comes from the Scripture. Who and, you are comes from your relationship with Jesus. And what else? And not only that, I think um, if you have someone that's coming to you with all the gossip, just stop it right then and there. I don't mean defend yourself. I mean, don't entertain someone who's going to tell you what everybody's saying about you. Yeah. You That's can, very immature. You can say to them, like, you know what? Hey, you know, thank you, but no thank you. Um, I, I don't. <laughs> thank you, but no thank you. Yeah, like, like, thank you for your sentiment of, like, wanting to express these things that, that you feel I should know. But no thank you because I don't really need to hear them. Because they don't define me. So thank es- you, but yeah, no thank you. Especially if it's gossip. I mean, just stop it right then and there and tell the person, like, you have no reason to tell me this because it's not... Dang, it's you not gotta helpful. be that mean about it. <laughs> well, you, I mean, like... <laughs> yeah, I, I get what you you're don't, saying. don't tolerate something like that right. in your life. And I again, mean, don't if, let it be your definition. Yeah, if you're looking for real answers about your relationship, like we said before, you have leadership, you have people that you're close to that you trust and say, is this true? Does this really look like that? 
And if they say no or, you know, whatever, like, I just feel like there are, there are people that are going to say things about your relationship. Even in, when you're, ma- I mean, even when you're married, like, this is just something that, unfortunately, it happens. And there's really not much you can do uh, besides, you know, stopping that person in their tracks. Because some people like to see that expression on your face when they tell you bad news and you're like, what? What else did they say? And, yeah, that stuff's just not necessary. Yeah, so you can you can just end... Like you can turn around and leave. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I was going to say. But. You can walk away. <laughs> so, okay. And then um, kind of in the same area, but this one's a little bit more interesting because I, I I think I understand what they were saying or what they were asking. And they did. Thank you for the person that has submitted these questions. Um, uh, they did provide some good context. And in this last question, it was how can you battle anxiety uncertainty and insecurity in a relationship and I think the question was brought on by comparison in a relationship so not comparison to each other but it's almost like okay I'll throw this one out so a pastor's son dating somebody in the church or a pastor's daughter dating somebody in the church a pk dating a non-pk you could say that you could i did not say that you said that as a non-pk yourself Mm -hmm. you brought out that observation and presented it in the way you so choose to so (laughs) a pk dating a non-pk now there is something there that is identifiable in the sense of saying comparing so the pastor's kid, usually, if <laughs> if they're good, if they're a good, like if they're a solid Christian, they're looked at as like holy. It's like, oh my gosh. A catch. Yeah, a catch. A catch. So they're dating somebody who's not in any leadership. Not in any or just position. not connected the same way. Not connected the same way. Not that really. person is usually looked at as like less than, yeah, unequally yoked, almost unequally yoked, almost like to a place of saying like, like you know, oh well, you know what, you know, one person is destined and has a huge destiny, and and the will of God is is you could see it all over them. They you know this and that, and the other person is like, oh, I think they just you know made a wrong turn and ended up at church on accident. So it's kind of like that's how the relationship is viewed, and that's the comparison. And I think that's the that's the context of the question: How can you battle anxiety and uncertainty in a relationship? Because people say these things in a way that it's presented to the person who's not the pastor's kid that, you know, oh, you're dating this person. You know that they're they're a little bit out of your your, your what? League or Yeah, but in a more subtle way. I think they'll yeah. say things like, Oh, there's a calling on their life or oh, like they've they've done great things. They're gonna keep doing great things and it just it feels like Okay, you're telling me this because... <laughs> so, why don't you share your experience of the pastor who was asking you who your family was? So, I'm not a pastor's kid. I've never been a pastor's kid. I don't understand the whole pastor's kid culture, which is a conversation that Gabo and I have had multiple times. So, <laughs> for me, you know, when I started dating Gabo, 
a lot of people knew him. They knew his whole family. I mean, everybody in his family was pretty much a pastor of something. Even people, you know, they were my age. So I never felt initially um, intimidated. Never. However, when I started getting around him, you know, when I started going out places with him and meeting, you know, the people that he grew up with, these other pastors that weren't related to him, I remember one time he introduced me to a pastor that, you know, has known Gobble since he was little. And I had a last name that was very familiar to um, <coughs> a lot Excuse of those people. So they asked me, oh, you know, are you so-and-so's daughter? And I was like, no. And they're like, oh, then you're, you know, this person's daughter. And I'm like, no. And they're like, well, who's your dad? And I was like, um, his name is Manuel. <laughs> and I, I, I really was they were, so They were naive. asking who's your dad as in, uh, you know, what pastor what church or are you ministry from? Yeah. or organization are you part of? And I, I wasn't even thinking like that at all. Like at all. And I was like, okay, like his name is Manuel. Like, I don't know what, <laughs> what you're asking. And he asked like, where does he pastor? And I said, Oh, he's not a pastor. Like he actually doesn't even go to this church. And I kid you not, like the, the conversation ended so abruptly. It was just so awkward because right then and there I was like, okay, so because my dad's not a pastor, you're not going to finish talking to me. Like, I mean, it was just, and, and that was kind of like, people never said anything directly to me. Like you're not good enough for him. But the questions that they asked made me feel like, I mean, I, I'm saying no more than I'm saying yes. Like, how long have you known Gobble? Like, do you how know? Long you, yeah, the, the organization, do you the know network. His family? Like, yeah, and it. Who are you connected to? Yeah, and it wasn't until I got questions like that that I started to question who, you know, what I was doing with someone like Gobble. And I remember, you know, seeing his parents at this huge conference. And I mean, people loved them, and I, I did too, but. It just, it was just hard for me to kind of, um, it was hard for me for a while to not feel less than, uh, you know, qualified to date someone like him. You know, his, his parents were missionaries, they were pastors, they did everything and they were great and they never made me feel like that. But it was uh, the people surrounding them that would question me. And I don't think it was an intentional thing. I no. think it was unintentionally they, they created an insecurity. Yeah, so I don't feel like these people were evil, but it was just the kind of culture that we were in at the time. And so for someone like me, I don't have family in the church. Like, I don't have aunts and uncles that are pastors in other cities or states. I was only in the in the network for, like, maybe four years at that point. So I was still relatively new. And, and I think, too, like, for me, I could not care less of the like position or stature or anything like that. Um, it was not. So I think for me in dating Vanessa, it was that I was dating someone who I wanted to know. I wanted to, I wanted her to know me. I wanted to know her. Um, and I think all the questions and all the stuff of like who she was or what family she was part of. That's a very like, um, it was very culture specific. Because I think like in, in that setting, it was almost like a validation of like, oh, is... Like I've been approved. Yeah, yeah. And, and so like, and I think in that, the question that was submitted, how can you battle anxiety and uncertainty in a relationship specifically is coming from that context of like, you know, people are saying, 
oh, this one is, is, you know, they have a destiny. They have, you know, the will of God is, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, they've been prophesied over <laughs> like, and it's like, like, oh, okay, cool. But like in the end, they, they are human. From, for <laughs> me, because I, I don't know if Gobbler felt that kind of, you know, pressure or that type of um, questioning. I had no one on my side, and you do feel like I feel like I had no one on my side questioning him, right? In that same way that they were questioning me. So, if you're in a relationship like that where you're dating someone who has, you know, been there longer, has more connections, has family, you know, doing everything they can in ministry, and you don't, I think the anxiety it does come from people. But again, people are flawed. People don't always mean to be mean. They don't always mean to question your, um, you know, the if you're good enough for someone. So I remember like at some point I was really kind of like scared, like, man, like maybe I'm not called to do what, what Gobble's called to do. And instead of you know, running away and being afraid. I remember thinking like, no, like I'm called all on my own. I don't need him to have a purpose in my life. And I really had to stand on that for myself. And I really had to pray and ask God like, Lord, I don't know exactly what my calling is right now, but I do know that I want to be a good helpmate. I want to be a good wife. I want to be able to help my husband and whatever it is that he's going to be doing. And if that's gobbled, then it's gobbled. And you know, our relationship will be blessed and we'll be, have grace and mercy. And if it's not, then we'll both know and we can both, you know, split and it's not going to be detrimental to our walk with God. Yeah. And so at that point, I had to seek God for myself because I wasn't looking for Gobble's approval. I wasn't looking for, you know, his um, longtime pastors that were around him. I wasn't looking for their approval. I didn't need anybody's approval but God. And you know, we both were in uh, connection with our leaderships as well because we weren't going to the same church at that time. And our leaders were aware of our relationship and, you know, there was no red flags at that point. So I really felt like if I'm going to be with him, it's because he deserves to be with me. I mean, it always, for some reason in the beginning, it felt like, do I deserve to be with him? Coming from the family that he was, yes, like there was something about his life that he's been prayed over. He's had a covering. He's He's blessed to have that. I mean, it's amazing. Like when you, when for me to, to marry into that, because luckily I got, you know, I was able to see the fruit of that. But at the same time, like, I'm not saying he's not worthy. I'm not saying that, um, he doesn't mean anything. What I'm saying is that you're just as valuable as that pastor's kid. You know, you're just as valuable as someone who's been in that church longer than you have. And make sure that when you are dating someone that you do feel a little anxious about, or you do feel kind of like, man, I don't think I'm good enough that you take all of that to God because you don't need validation from people that don't see you as valuable. But, and then also too, if you don't deal with it in the relationship now, you'll deal with it the rest of the relationship. Yeah. Like, you Gobble, have to get a hold of it. Yeah, Gobble was aware of how I felt because I told him about you know these conversations and I told him what people said and what, you know, how they didn't have to say really anything. And maybe I mistook it, but that's exactly the feeling that I got. But I was always, you know, telling him how I felt and he was very good about encouraging me as well. Not saying like, he never said anything like, babe, you are good enough for me. He was always like, you know. <laughs> You're totally good. <laughs> I approve. <laughs> 
he was never like that. He didn't he didn't have to validate me as well. Right. He was more like you need to make sure that you know these are things that you pray about because yeah, like what I am going to do with my life is is a big thing. And he told me from the beginning like I'm going to go and do missions. And at that point, I also had to realize like he is called and he is going to go do what God's asking him to do whether I want to or not. And that was something, you know, I realistically had to deal with as well. Like, yeah, he is called. And, and it was pretty black and white, too. Like, I think we both had that that understanding, like, this is what I'm going to do. I want to do it with you. I yeah. want you to be with me in it. Mm-hmm. But if you feel like you can't do this, then we should not continue. Yeah, and that was a really sobering conversation because it's not easy to tell someone that. No. And, of course, I think... If, I felt like, well, what if I have something that God wants me to do and you can't do it with me and then, you know, you need to... You know, like, I I had to be very careful to not get upset like that because for me, in my opinion, um, I do follow my husband. And at times, yeah, like, the wife will lead and that's not what I'm saying. But at this point, the start of our relationship was going to be him going after the calling that God gave him. Yeah. And I wanted to make sure that by following him and marrying him, that I wasn't missing out on what God has called me to do. Because you have, you know, if you're dating someone, you each have your own calling, you each have your own gifts, and you can very well work together and your gifts can complement each other. Yeah. And so we got two more questions. But basically, to the person that wrote this, be encouraged. Um, don't, Don't let other people define you. And don't don't get in that place of um, being anxious and uncertain and insecure in in you and who you are in Christ. If if like I said, if you don't take care of it now, it'll follow you through that whole relationship. Mm-hmm. So um, be healthy in that. Be healthy in that. Make some good decisions and and pray about it. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. People will always say what they say. They will always say things. Um, you'll be married and have a great marriage for 20 years and someone will say something and it'll be like, what the heck? Like, <laughs> And so people always talk. So you cannot let talk define you. You let scripture and you let your relationship with your heavenly father define you mm-hmm. and you walk in that. Yeah. And and if that person that you're dating, if, if they're spiritually mature, they will help you. They will help you. Um, to understand that before they help you become like their spouse. Yeah. Because I think one of the things for me with Vanessa, I felt like she identified something. I identified it. And then I kind of helped her as much as I could, but only she could overcome it. So, and she did. She's like, yeah. So it's been awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah. How can you battle anxiety and uncertainty and insecurity in relationship? Pray, read your Bible, Remember that you're defined by who our Heavenly Father says you are. Not by what other people say and not by who you're being compared to. Mm -hmm. So walk in strength. Walk forward boldly, man. Know that, um, you know, I I remember trying to teach a lot of the the young women in Estonia that, you know, they should walk into a room and feel like, you know, man, I'm so glad you guys are able to get to know me today. (laughs) Because... What I'm saying is that the Holy Spirit's in you. You have a lot to offer and you should walk into a room and feel like, you know what? I'm so glad that I can be with you guys today. 
because I know that what I'm going to say to you today or I'm going to be around you, I'm going to encourage you, I'm going to edify you, I'm going to help you. And that should be your attitude. In a humble way. Yeah, like it's it's a like that. Not hum- like you're better than everybody. No, 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 not and and I think you understand what I'm saying. Like that, the Holy Spirit in you gives you that confidence, mm-hmm. not what you've accomplished, not your accolade, not not, not your dating, talents, not yeah. your gifts, not your dating, not any of that stuff, but who you are in Christ. Not your three week mission trip. Yeah, none of that <laughs> stuff. None of that stuff defines you. It's who you are in Christ and the Holy Spirit that is in you. You walk into a room and you're like, you know what, man. Um, I know that I'm I'm a servant of Christ and that when I walk into a room, I bring the Holy Spirit with me. And so I'm like in that place of confidence that I want to instill into people is like walk into that room in a bold way and say, you know what? I'm so glad that I could be here with you guys today because I'm going to encourage somebody today. I'm going to I'm going to edify in such a helpful way today. I'm going to I'm going to bless whoever I talk to because I know the Holy Spirit in me uh, is going to help me to help other people. And so walk in that confidence. Um, two last questions. One is pretty significant. Um, let's do that one last. But how to end a relationship in a healthy way. Let's do that one right now. Mm. How to end a relationship in a healthy way. I would say this. Don't bust the whole, you know, I need time with God. <laughs> oh, if you're going to end a relationship, <laughs> be on, I mean, be honest. Yeah. And it's going to be weird for a while. It It'll is. be awkward, especially when the other person starts dating someone and bringing them around. Um, if you can, just avoid it. And of course, here comes the gossip. So just be mature and try not to get sucked into all the negatives. Because it's possible that you can still have a, a, a normal friendship with someone after you decide that dating is not going to be your future. You know, marriage is not your future. But at the same time, just realize, like, no one needs to go anywhere. Like, you're perfectly fine staying in your church. You're perfectly fine continuing to serve. And that's why I think, like, I would say when you're dating, don't make your whole world about this person. Because if that relationship doesn't work, you're stuck and you don't have your own friends. You don't even know what to do in church. You're just totally relying on the other person. Don't do that. So how to end a relationship in a healthy way have a healthy relationship. Yeah. Meaning you don't move in with them emotionally and psychologically. You you hold some boundaries. Mm-hmm. You hold some places that say, you know what? We're not married and I don't need to share that with you. And you don't deserve it. Yeah, and, or I'm not going to I'm not going to let you have that piece of me. Not right now. You you're not going to have that emotional um uh hold yeah, hold on me. You're not going to have that power over me. You're not going to have that psychological position that, that kind of defines how I feel. Have a healthy relationship. And if you need to end it, it ends in a healthy way. So if it's an unhealthy relationship, the ending will be ugly. Guaranteed. I mean, but breakups in general, they're never... They're always There's always some kind of drama. There's always something Not that- Not totally. I have seen people date. For maybe like six months and or a year and then they they feel like you know what I, I don't think this is working out i've never seen that i've seen it and, and i've seen it and where literally they even went to the same church and ended up getting married and, and started ministry together and or ministry in the same church they with like their spouses yeah they married oh, other people i've never seen and so that. i'm saying it, but they did it very healthy like they had a healthy okay. relationship they weren't like i said moved in with yeah. each other psychologically and emotionally so when things ended it was like you know what hey 
I think they're a great person. Um, I just don't feel that, you know, we were compatible. Mm -hmm. So I have seen that. And so have a healthy relationship to have a healthy ending. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so the last question, and it's a good one. Holiness, staying pure, it's in that context. If you failed at staying holy, if you fail at staying pure, can God still be part of your relationship? Or is your future ruined? Your future is not ruined. And I think that's why we, I mean, that's how we serve God because we do make mistakes and it's not always going to be a sexual mistake. You know, sin is, there's so many different ways to fail God and fail other people. I think what's important is that at that point you do decide like, is this going to be an issue for the rest of our relationship? I mean, is this going to be something that we just can't get past? And I think that's why, you know, if you're going to break it off, break it off and, and be mature and be healthy about it. But I mean, I was told, I mean, if you if you have sex with someone and you're not married, the entire marriage is going to suck. It's cursed. I mean, it <laughs> it was so drilled into my head that there is no coming back from sexual sin, like no coming back. Like there are no redeeming qualities in that relationship because you totally ruined it. I completely disagree. Absolutely disagree. I mean, it doesn't make sense to say that about something knowing who God is and the kind of God that we serve. If you're not trying, if you're just, I mean, if you just don't care anymore, there's a big difference. Like if you, if you made a mistake, you know, your flesh won, you were driving alone together and your flesh won. You forgot to fast. You, you were driving fast. alone together. Yep. You didn't go to the outreach. You were late. Whatever. <laughs> um, there's like, I mean, there's genuine, you know, repentance. And that shows because you do make changes to allow or to not allow those things to happen again. Right. But then there are people that they just, once you give in, like, that's it. You're done. And you just cannot control yourself any longer. Once you give in to that area... It's just easy to keep falling into that same sin. Yeah. It's so easy and it's not worth it. And God, I mean, when you're genuine and you're like, Lord, really help me because I'm literally, I mean, like, and that's where I feel like fasting can be helpful because what you're doing is you're kind of putting your flesh back into submission. And that's really like, I mean, that's really all it is. Like it's, it's a normal thing. You guys, like, obviously, like if you're dating someone, you're attracted to them in a sexual way. Like, it doesn't make sense to date someone that you're not attracted to in that way. But at the same time, like, if you're realistic about it, like, yeah, like, there's a lot of potential of ways that you can fall into sin. And it's not always, um, you don't always plan to do it. I mean, sometimes, yes, you do. But at the other, other times, like, I didn't realize we were gone that far. And by then it was too late. And I don't know. I, I think like your relationship is redeemable. I think there's... Yeah, I you think know, that's the question. God will do. Right? Yeah, God will 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 help you, um, but there has to be repent. I mean, there has to be repentance, and honestly, you have to talk to your leaders about it. You have to let somebody know that that sin is now present in that relationship. And if you have healthy leaders, they're going to keep you accountable. And if you yourself are genuinely repentant, then you'll also do your best to change those boundaries so that you can avoid that at all costs. But is your relationship doomed? No, it's not doomed. Is it going to be difficult to not fall the same way? Absolutely. It's going to be the hardest thing ever. Yeah. And I think the the question 
is, is a very good question. You know, okay, so we failed at trying to stay holy, trying to stay pure. Can God still be part of our relationship? Or is our future ruined? And um, I, I think there's, there is an area of, I want to say, trespass that happens. You, you trespass into a place that it was, it was not permissible. It was not, there was no covenant made. So it was done in a way that was like, there was no covering. Yeah. And so I feel like those are, those are just the realities of it. The spiritual implications of it, you have trespassed. So there is real um, consequence. And I would say this with those that are in a relationship and there's trespass or there's, um, you know, things have gone too far. What you do in that sin is you invite chaos in. Yeah. That chaos it's ugly. is, is it's ugly. jealousy. It's, mm-hmm. it's um it's just, you know, anger, it's the carnality. You you've invited in that chaos, in that sin, you've invited chaos in. And so that's that's the the trespass or and that's the brokenness that happens with sin. So um in the repentance, repentance allows reparation. So this is this is the place of saying, Lord, we need you. Because we need a savior because we have broken this. Mm-hmm. We have trespassed this. We have, um, we have sinned. And so and in that chaos, we need someone to save us out of that. And, and this, and for the person that's dating, and maybe you have trespassed, you've gone too far, you've done some things. I'm telling you right now, if you don't bring in repentance, if you don't, if you don't like try to literally change things, What's going to happen is you're going to continue in the carnality. You're going to continue in the jealousies, the outburst of wrath, and the works and the fruits of the flesh, so to speak, are going to be evident in that relationship. And that's when people say it's cursed, it's broken, it will never be this, it'll never be that. Yeah, there's some truth to that. However, true repentance, that place of repentance to say, Lord, we need you. That repentance opens the door for Jesus to come in and repair and fix. And then that, that, in that process, when you are doing things in the light and you, you're free, man, it's, it's honestly so, it's something so freeing that when you are able to confess your sin, to walk in truth and to walk in that repentance, that the grace of God comes in and helps you. And, and that for anybody dating and you feel condemned, maybe you've gone too far, you've done stuff, repent. Go forward in a place that says, Lord, we've invited chaos into this relationship. We've invited chaos into our personal lives. We've invited demonic activity, like literally by breaking um, what, what should have been whole and something that should have been only uh, you know, private to, to you. Um, and you've allowed things that shouldn't have you know, happened, happen. I would say to you today, repent, man. Repent. Confess it. Get around people who can hold you accountable and confess it, uh, both of you. If one of you is unwilling, I think that speaks a lot into the spiritual maturity. And it speaks a lot into the health of that relationship. It says volumes because it speaks volumes because it's, it's saying that, one of you is saying, I need Jesus because I am a broken sinner and I need a savior in my life. And the other person is saying, I don't really need a savior. I'm okay with my sin. 
And that is very, um, I think, black and white to define your relationship. Um, but again, repent, move forward. God can fix. God can repair. Uh, that's why we have a Savior. Okay, so first we want to thank everybody that submitted questions. We hope that the answers brought some at least conversational topics that you can have with your leadership, maybe with a, just a healthier um, uh, mentor or, or leader that you're close to. Um, talk about this stuff. We'll do it again. We'll do another Q&A later. Uh, what I, I do want to revisit, we did an old podcast where we had some you know, different people and different perspectives. And I do want to do that again because I think it's so very helpful to people to discuss it and to ask questions from different perspectives. So um, for everybody that's dating, hey man, love Jesus, uh, uh, read your Bible, pray daily, read daily, um, get around people, get to know people, uh, find out what, what your calling is, find out what the will of God is for your life, move forward in that, be confident of what God has put in you, and you know, look for somebody that you know is compatible, that you both are going to fulfill what God put into your hearts and uh, you're going to do it as boldly and as, as confidently as possible, knowing that the Holy Spirit's with you. Uh, but yeah, um, thank you all for listening. This, is, uh, this has been a great joy for me and Vanessa, because I think we do want to encourage young people to continue to serve God and continue to walk in holiness. So thank you guys for listening. Um, uh, adios. <laughs> all right. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll be back again next Tuesday. <laughs>